Schultz back here again for the Beyond the Column podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about infrastructure and what in the world is it and why it's important to you. Um, Infrastructure is the stuff government does that uh, you may not even really realize it, but it's the stuff that that you use every day. So it's stuff like uh, the water pipes, it's stuff like uh, sewer pipes, it's stuff like roads, um, stuff like sidewalks, all of the stuff that uh, that we use on a daily basis to get things to us, to go to places, uh, to, to get us water, all of that stuff is is infrastructure, which is really the meat and potatoes of what government does. And in terms of what government does, different layers of government have different responsibilities for that infrastructure. Um, and one of the most confusing parts <laughs> of the infrastructure puzzle is our road system. So uh, many times, depending on where you live, if you live in a city, uh, the city has responsibility for the street sections uh, within its community. Um, so it's responsible to make sure that those roads are constructed, um, make sure that the roads are paved and plowed and all that stuff. Um, and even depending on the city, that can even include interstate highways within a city. Um For example, I believe the city of Dayton has responsibility to maintain portions of Interstate 75 within it, um, depending on what level of service needs to be done. So it's like things like uh, small patching and things like that I think the city of Dayton is responsible for. But major reconstructions, those are usually done by the state. And you're thinking, well, heck, the interstate highway system is a federal system. Why isn't the federal government responsible for that? Well, they're not. Um, but they are responsible for helping fund those improvements. So the uh, Interstate Highway Trust Fund, which comes from federal gas taxes, uh, all that money goes to Washington, and then it's distributed out to the states. Those states have the responsibility uh, for maintaining uh, interstate highway systems and state highway systems throughout the state of Ohio. And, you know, even in a city... Um, where you have surface streets that might be a state highway or a U.S. route. Uh, the city is sometimes, many times, responsible for that. But they will get some extra funding. Not a lot, but they will get some extra funding from the state to help maintain those roads. Uh, but all of this kind of came to my mind as I was reading an article in Cincinnati.com. Um, it's the PX column by Jason Williams, who writes for the Cincinnati Enquirer, talking about our new governor here in the state of Ohio. Uh, Mike DeWine takes office on Monday as he gets sworn in. And uh, the folks in Cincinnati often feel um, generally neglected, <laughs> I guess is the best way to describe it, when it comes to uh, issues of infrastructure, and and either just general policy issues when it comes down to it. Um, Ohio is a very difficult state to govern. Um, You have three large cities, and each of those cities 
uh, at its core are very different. Uh, Cleveland is a lot different than Cincinnati and, and they're both different than Columbus. And you take a look at their settlement patterns. You take a look about how those communities have grown. Um, it's all really, really different. Uh, Cleveland, you know, was originally part of the old Western Reserve. So you've got folks that, that came from places like, uh, Connecticut, Rhode Island at the very beginning to settle Cleveland. And then it had an influx of a lot of Eastern European immigrants. Um, so that kind of changed that community. Um, Cincinnati was kind of a frontier town, uh, even before there were frontier towns. Uh, it was right there on the Ohio River. At one time, it was one of the 10 largest cities in the United States. Um, it was a thriving place of commerce. It was settled by folks generally coming up uh, from Kentucky. It has a lot of Appalachian roots in it as well. And so it, it's kind of heyday. Um, it was back kind of in the late 1800s as it was kind of a commercial center. Um, and now you've got Columbus, and Columbus is probably hitting its stride right now. Um, it is a, it's what it's, I think it's the largest city in Ohio, at least in terms of population, but their growth is from, from almost, uh, really being driven by, um, the university, Ohio State University is over there. A lot of healthcare is over there. So it's attracting people from a lot of smaller towns throughout Ohio and even just the Midwest. There's a lot of people that are trying to get to Columbus. And so you're seeing how these three cities are all different. They all have a kind of a different vibe. And they're governed. And the way you govern Ohio is different around that. And many times, uh, the larger cities in all the large cities in Ohio, such as the Columbus, uh, the Clevelands and the Cincinnati's, feel completely neglected uh, by the state government. And, and that that kind of goes without saying because you know you think about it, uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland are not Columbus, and Columbus is where the state house is, and the governor has his mansion in Columbus. And if you take a look at the last eight years, um, Governor Kasich, who was from nearby Westerville, was almost seen by many folks as kind of the governor of Columbus. Um, he took uh, good care of central Ohio, as many people would argue. And, you know, the, the results speak for themselves. Uh, Cleveland, I mean, Columbus is, is growing uh, by leaps and bounds. I mean, it, it's uh, if you drive in on 70 or 71, uh, you will see a lot of cranes going up, uh, buildings happening, things moving right there in Columbus. It got a huge grant to be like a a smart city in terms of uh, some work that the federal transportation department wants to do. And it's got like some autonomous vehicles that are being rolled out on kind of a, a study basis. So a lot of neat things are happening in the city of Columbus. And so Cincinnati uh, feels a little bit out of the loop, and Jason Williams kind of talks a little bit about that in his article. Uh, he he writes this article. He says, "Dear Governor, please pay attention to us." And so he just kind of talked a little bit about that. 
uh, former governor, didn't do a lot for uh, Cincinnati. <laughs> and there's a feeling that uh, the new governor, Mike DeWine, who's from, from Cedarville, which uh, isn't close to Cincinnati, but, but uh, you know, I know the governor, um, the newspaper says that the governor has uh, been a season ticket holder for the Reds and the Bengals. So he's, he's familiar with the community, at least has more friends in in Cincinnati. Uh, those are things that the governor can work on. And um, the rest of the article's all about infrastructure. Um, the Western Hills Viaduct is a is a road in Hamilton County, which is which is Cincinnati. And this is a 87 year old piece of infrastructure, and it's crumbling. And it's going to cost three hundred and thirty-five million dollars um, to replace this piece of infrastructure. I don't think I've ever been on the viaduct myself, so um, but boy, three hundred and fifty-five million dollars is a lot of money. And another big project is the Brent Sprint Bridge. So we're going to take a little break here. We're going to regroup, and we'll talk about the Brent Sprint Bridge when we come back. All right, William, let's back here for the Beyond the Column podcast. Uh, first part of the podcast, we talked a little bit about how uh, we have a new governor coming on board and how he may treat uh, Cincinnati and some of the areas not named Columbus better than his predecessor did. And we talked a little bit about uh, the Western Hills Viaduct down in Cincinnati, but now we're going to talk about the Brent Spence Bridge. And um, if you have ever traveled on Interstate 75 or Interstate 71 uh, from Cincinnati going into Kentucky or vice versa, you have been on the Brent Spence Bridge. Uh, the bridge was originally built uh, back in 1963. So this thing is coming up on its 56th birthday, which for a piece of infrastructure, 56 years um, is a long time. Um, it was originally scheduled to carry 85,000 vehicles a day. Um, but in 2006, it carried over 150,000 vehicles a day. So, you can see that this bridge is used and it is used well. And if you've ever been on that bridge, um, it, it's kind of scary. Um, I don't like taking the bridge. Um, there's many times if I'm driving south and I know that, um, I'm coming upon that bridge. I'll cut over on 562 to take 71 down to the 471 bridge and then cut back to 75 on 275. A um, couple reasons I do that. First of all, I don't like traveling over that bridge. But the second thing is, is that 75 is still a mess going through um, Cincinnati, um, especially downtown Cincinnati. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I've traveled by car through many 
um, big cities. And for the size of the city that it is, Cincinnati has to have some of the worst traffic in the entire country. Um, you know, I think it ravels places like Chicago. I've driven to Chicago and driving to Chicago isn't bad, but once you kind of get on 9094, the, the Dan Ryan there, it slows down a little bit, but it's Chicago. I mean, it's the third largest city in America. You expect that. Um, drive through Indianapolis. Indianapolis is like the 13th largest city in the country. It's a breeze to get through Indianapolis. Um, but Cincinnati, I don't know what it is. It is just an absolute mess. But but getting back to the bridge, um, everybody that works in transportation infrastructure and they look at the Brent Spence Bridge, they know it's an absolute hot mess of a piece of public infrastructure. Um, if you drive on it going south, you're kind of, you're on the bottom part of the bridge, which means there's other traffic on top of you. It's not, I believe it's going south. I could be wrong, but anyway, it's a mess. It doesn't feel safe. The signage is hard to read. The signage is hard to understand, especially when once you get off, uh, the bridge, you've got decisions that you need to make. Because if you're in the right-hand lane and you don't realize it, you're automatically getting off the interstate. And then you're you're caught in the Cincinnati street system, and that may not be where you want to go. And so there have been a lot of proposals uh, that have been floating around. Um, there, have been ide- there have been concepts to try to put in a toll bridge. Uh, there have been concepts to put in a whole new bridge altogether without tolls. Um, how is that going to work? And you have to realize that the bridge itself um, is owned by uh, the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet has kind of the responsibility for what that bridge will look like and how that bridge is going to uh, take traffic in between the two states. And you know, it has been kicked around for so long. You know, I think the first big studies were done back in 2008 on the bridge. And, you know, you're at the point where even though you you still haven't decided on an alternative of what you want the bridge to look like, you have no idea what the funding mechanism is for the bridge going to be. Are you going to, are you going to do tolls? Are you going to do some type of increased gas tax? Are you going to have like a special sales tax? How's all that going to work? And the thing is, is that, you know, you don't even know what kind of environmental impact studies you're going to have to do. You don't know what kind of remediations those impact studies are going to require. Yeah. It could be 2040, 2045 uh, before a bridge is even finished. And you're thinking, oh, that's 20, 25 years from now. I can't be that long. Well, it, it, it could be if you don't 
know what you want at this point in the game. Um, especially if any type of bridge is going to cost any amount of money. You know, uh, the original bridge cost $10 million to, Brit, to build back in 1963. In 1963, $10 million, that's a lot of money. But, you know, you could easily be looking at a bridge now that could be $100, $200 million. And that's probably on the low side. Uh, you still have a lot of uh, environmental studies and uh, consulting engineers and all those folks that are going to try to do this work, and those folks don't come cheap. And then the materials itself, that's not going to be cheap either. So it's going to take a lot of time, effort, and energy to try to build this bridge. And you know, I don't know what the state of Ohio can do, but... I can tell you that everybody wants the state to have some type of seat at the table to ensure that whatever is there uh, will not only serve uh, the folks in Kentucky, but will serve the folks in Ohio as well. Because, you know, Cincinnati's right there. And Cincinnati, um, with that bridge, that becomes a lifeline to the city of Cincinnati. There's a lot of people that, that take that bridge every day. They may live in Kentucky and work in Cincinnati, or they might live in Cincinnati and work in Kentucky. And, you know, you might be thinking, hey, that's, that's great for the folks down there, but what about us? Well, it's big for us, too. Um, I want to say I read somewhere where like 6% of all the truck traffic in America goes across that bridge every day. Um, that number might be a little high, but it is, it's a small number with a big impact. And once you read that, it's like, holy cow, there are so many cars and trucks that go across that bridge every day that are basically delivering products to local stores that we want to, that we need to use. I mean, could be groceries, could be clothing, could be all sorts of consumable items that we need to have. So it is important uh, that that bridge is uh, in good repair and in good shape. And I hope the governor uh, can do what he can to make sure that happens. Well, this has been another edition of the Beyond the Column podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please feel free to send us a tweet at Beyond the Column or send us an email beyondthecolumnpodcast at gmail.com. Please write a nice review. Uh, like our podcast, do whatever you have to do to tell people about our little effort here. I hope you enjoy it. Until next week, this is William Blutz for the Beyond the Column podcast. Have a great week, everybody.